Welcome to the Dr. Wyatt Show podcast for developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve. And following my tools is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in couples counseling. If you're tired of fighting and you're tired of not having your needs met, I have an app for that called Keep the Glow. It's available wherever you get your apps and it will open up your lines of communication starting today. So check it out. Today I'm gonna talk about 10 mistakes to avoid in conflict. All of us need help with conflict. When we get upset in our relationship, when we get frustrated, when we get offended, when our needs aren't being met, the worst of us comes out. And how couples handle conflict greatly impacts their relationship. And research shows how couples handle conflict greatly impacts their divorce risk. And this makes sense because when we're upset and we're flooded and we're in conflict with our partner, a lot of damage is done. We say hurtful things, we do hurtful things, and the more that happens in a relationship, the harder it is to rebound emotionally, to recover. And so almost all couples I see in my practice need help with conflict resolution. My wife and I have needed help with conflict resolution over the years, and we've had to really work at this to develop skills so that we can handle conflict more constructively. So the question is, how well do you handle conflict? How well do you and your partner resolve your resentments? What do you do when one of you gets upset? How healthy and constructive is your pattern with your partner? So today I'm gonna go through 10 mistakes to avoid with conflict resolution. The first one is raising your voice. Now when you raise your voice, that's an expression of power, that's an expression of anger, and that's not gonna go well. When you raise your voice, your partner is probably gonna raise their voice or they're gonna stonewall and retreat. And so neither of those are healthy. So raising our voice is really a way to display power and aggression but it's not helpful. It's not gonna help anyone when you or your partner are starting to raise your voice. So that's one mistake you wanna avoid. Stop raising your voice. And if you find yourself wanting to raise your voice, that means you're flooded and you need to take a break. When you get flooded, that means your body is going into fight, flight, or freeze. And technically, it's when your heart rate gets above 100. And unfortunately, a lot of couples don't recognize their symptoms when they're getting flooded, but it's something that I train all couples I see with, or I talk to them about this, is what are your physiological symptoms when you get flooded? Some people will feel a tightening of the chest. Some people will feel sweaty palms. Some people's head gets tingly. But you wanna watch out for those physiological symptoms so that when you start getting flooded, you can call out, flooded! And then that means we're gonna take a break and we're gonna stop talking about this until we're both calm and relaxed. And one of the biggest signs you're getting flooded is raising your voice. That's a sign you're getting flooded. And the earlier you can catch your physiological symptoms of getting flooded, the more impulse control you have. When you're fully flooded and you're yelling, you have little to no impulse control at that moment. So the goal for all of us is catching our body catching our symptoms, our signs of getting flooded earlier and earlier so that we have more self-control and so that we can say, flooded, and that means we're gonna take a break and stop talking about this. We're not gonna engage each other until we're both calm or out of fight, flight, or freeze. The second mistake is not stopping when flooded. How many times have you and your partner 
been in a conflict and one of you is flooded or both of you are flooded and you don't stop. You keep engaging and things get worse and things get more nasty. That's really common for couples. They don't stop when one or both of them are flooded. And that's when a lot of damage is done because once you're flooded, the animal, raw, nasty survival side of us comes out and that's when the worst of us comes out. That's when we say things that we regret or we say things that are more hurtful. And again, that creates emotional scar tissue. It's hard to rebound from those kind of interactions. So that's the second mistake a lot of couples make is when one or both of them start getting flooded, they don't take a break. They just keep going at it. Now, this whole flooded concept means we are gonna come back and talk about this. Usually it takes at least 20 minutes to get out of fight, flight, or freeze, but no longer than 24 hours. So that flooded cannot become an excuse to avoid. So you can't keep saying two days down the road or four days down the road, oh, can't talk about it, I'm flooded. Because what happens is the person who is the pursuer in the conflict, often they don't wanna drop it because their partner won't ever come back to it and talk about it. So therefore, they ignore that they're flooded or that their partner is flooded. They keep going after it, they keep talking about it. And the reason is because they're fearful because of previous experience that if we don't talk about it now, we never will. And so for the partner who wants to withdraw, that partner makes that commitment, we will come back. I will come back within 24 hours once we're both calm and we will talk about this issue. And that's when I recommend couples pulling out the reunite tool, which is my conflict resolution method to help you work through conflicts, work through resentments in a way that stays emotionally safe. So the diamond approach to think about is up here at the top of the diamond, one of us calls flooded, we go our separate ways to get out of fight, flight, or freeze. Once we're both calm, within 24 hours, we come back together and we pull out the reunite tool to talk through the conflict. I'll add a link to the reunite tool in the show notes. The third mistake couples make in conflict is name calling. How many times have you gotten upset and you call your partner a name? Some type of derogatory name, some type of just insulting name? That's not gonna do anyone any good. That's just gonna make things worse. That's just hurtful and trying to be insulting and that's gonna make them have a really hard time rebounding and coming back because they can't forget the name that you called them. How guilty are you of calling your partner names during conflict? It's a mistake. Stay away from it. And you're gonna be more likely to stay away from it if you stop the conflict earlier because you're getting flooded or your partner is getting flooded. Number four is generalizations. Have you noticed that every time you get upset, one of the first things you wanna say to your partner is, you always, or you never. And that's wrong on two accounts. First of all, you don't wanna say the word you because it's accusatory and that's gonna make your partner feel attacked. So most likely they're gonna counterattack and get defensive, but also because it's a generalization. Always, never. Those comments are generalizations. And when your partner hears those generalizations, what do they do? They're gonna counter with the moment that did not happen. They're gonna tell you the precise date, the precise time, where you were in history, when what you're saying did not occur. Because that's what we do. When we hear generalizations, always, never, 
we often get defensive and we want to point out when that did not happen. So that's a mistake. Stay away from generalizations. Number five is putting your partner down. So this is similar to name calling, but more elaborate. So maybe you say something like, you're, you're such a horrible parent, or you won't take ownership for anything. You're so selfish. You put them down. You say something negative about their character. You slander them. You criticize them. This is what we do when we're upset. This is what a lot of people do when they're upset. And obviously, that's very toxic to put your partner down and to slander them and to just criticize their character. Because what happens after that? Your partner is not going to forget those words. Your partner is not going to forget what you've said about them. And then they're going to feel like, that's how you really feel about me. And that's one of the worst things, one of the hardest things to recover from in a conflict is feeling like that just showed your true colors. That just showed how you really feel about me. And that can feel very hurtful, very damaging to your soul when you hear these negative put downs from your partner. It's very hard to recover from that. That's why it's a mistake. You want to steer clear of that. Number six is being contemptuous. Contempt is actually one of the worst things you can do when you're upset, and it's something a lot of people do. And it, this is something that I used to do. And I have to be careful even still when I get upset that I don't become contemptuous. And contemptuous means you mock your partner or you roll your eyes or you say something under your breath about your partner. It's so disrespectful. That's why contempt is one of the worst things you can do in conflict because it expresses, I don't have any respect for you. In fact, you're beneath me. That's what contempt expresses. I was working with a couple recently and the husband continually became contemptuous throughout our session together toward his wife. And it was so hard to watch. It was so poisonous, so difficult to see it. And it just crushed her. And they were so numb to the interaction that she didn't almost see anything wrong with it because she was used to him interacting with her that way. And she had become desensitized to it. But becoming contemptuous is horrible. It's very toxic and it expresses, I have no respect for you. You are beneath me. And again, this is something I've had to work on in my own marriage, especially when my wife and I were going through a very difficult season and we had a lot of unresolved resentments in our relationship at that point. And because we had unresolved resentments, often those resentments for me leaked out through contempt when we would have arguments. And the more we resolved resentments and the more I worked on not being contemptuous, the more it went away. And so you have to start recognizing with all these mistakes, which ones do you do? All of us do some of them. So it's a matter of looking through this list of 10 mistakes and thinking about which one am I guilty of? Which one do I do? Which one do I need to improve in? Number seven is getting defensive and not taking ownership. And this is a hard one because if you feel like your partner is attacking you and blindsiding you, it's human nature to want to defend ourselves and to talk about why it's not our fault and to justify ourselves. It's human nature and that's what we do. And the more we justify, the more our partner gets frustrated because they feel like we're not taking any ownership because we're not. And then you have this vicious cycle. They criticize more, we get defensive more. They criticize more, we get defensive more. And we do that because we're feeling attacked. 
But it's very difficult to be on the other side of someone who's not taking any ownership. And if you know any of my tools, I teach the 50% rule. And what the 50% rule means is that when you're getting a complaint, you're not expected to take full ownership. You're thinking about when you're hearing the complaint of what is the part of this complaint that I'm guilty of? What's the piece? What's the part of this that I know in my heart of hearts I could improve in? That's the 50% rule. That means that sometimes when you hear a complaint, you may think, "Mm, 10% of this is me. I can own that. Other times you may think, "Mm, about 50% of this is my fault. Other times you may think, whoa, 100% of this is me. I gotta really work on this. There's almost always something you can own. And this is a great way to come back together after you've had a conflict is think about what did I just do that made that conflict worse? How did I just contribute to it? What was my part? Maybe you raised your voice. Maybe you slammed a door. Maybe you called the name. Maybe you got contemptuous. Maybe you stomped off in a heated fashion without saying flooded. Always think about after a conflict, what did you just do that made it worse? How did you contribute to the conflict? Take ownership for that part and then apologize. That's one of the best ways to come back together after you've had a conflict. And then in the conflict, when you do the reunite tool, the reunite tool is built in a way where you each have a turn to talk through what you felt. And part of the listener steps in the reunite tool is the 50% rule where you're sifting through what's the part here in this complaint I can own, and then you make an ownership statement. It's one of the most powerful things you can do to your partner when you're talking through a conflict is making ownership statements. I own that I have a tendency to do X. And then you don't say why you do it because that's defending yourself, no excuses. You say, I own that I have a tendency to do X. And then you're silent. It's one of the most powerful phrases you can say to your partner because they probably never have heard you say that. Okay, the next one is number eight is breaking, throwing or breaking things. Obviously, this is toxic. Obviously, this is a mistake. How often when you get upset, do you throw something or you break something? That's violent. And violence breeds violence. So the more you act out aggressively, in a conflict, the more likely you're gonna do it again. Because that's creating a neuronal pathway in your brain of this is what I do when. I break things when I'm mad. I throw things when I'm upset. The more you do that, the more you're gonna do it. Just creates a pathway in your brain. And the more well-worn that pathway is, the more likely you're gonna do it. Obviously, this is a mistake. Violence is never the answer. You never want to become aggressive. And again, that's when you're fully flooded to do something like that. So the more you catch yourself earlier when you're getting flooded, say the word flooded, go your separate ways to get out of fight, flight, or freeze, the less likely you're going to become violent and do something aggressive. When you're on the other side of someone breaking things or hitting things, it's scary. You feel threatened. You don't know if that aggression and that violence is gonna come toward you at any moment. So it takes the conflict to a whole nother level of danger. And when we feel in danger and threatened, nothing's gonna go well. So if that's you, if you have a tendency to break or a tendency to throw, 
you need to really work on your temper. You need to really work on your anger. And it starts with catching yourself earlier and earlier when you're getting flooded so you take a break so you're not elevated and you never get to that level. The ninth mistake to watch out for is stonewalling. Stonewalling is when you give your partner the silent treatment. You ignore them. Now, to clarify, this is different than flooding and de-flooding. When you're de-flooding, you actually say, or your partner says, flooded, and then that means we're gonna take a break because we're flooded here. One of us is flooded. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna respect that word. That's different than walking away from your partner and then you ignore them for days on end and you act like they don't even exist. That's called stonewalling. And I'm also guilty of this in my marriage. And this was modeled for me growing up. My mom, when I would get in trouble, she would say, I'm not talking to you, you're in the doghouse. And she would ignore me for a period of time until we got over the conflict, whatever had happened. But that modeling rubbed off. And so my tendency historically, especially when I get upset, is I shut down and I'll stop talking and I'll ignore my wife and act like she doesn't exist. Obviously that's a mistake. That's not healthy, that's not constructive. I've had to work on that and I've had to own that I have a tendency to stonewall. There's strength in owning your weakness. It doesn't take any strength to act like you're perfect. It takes strength to admit your weakness and to own it. So what are you owning? What's your part? What do you do in conflicts that you can improve in? The thing I could do to improve is I've had to work on being contemptuous and I've had to work on stonewalling. I've gotten a lot better at both of those. I've owned them, that's the first step. Then I've worked on them, that's the second step. So I've improved. However, I still have to watch myself because it's still my impulse. When I start getting flooded, my impulse is contempt or stonewall. And I know that about myself and I've had to work on it. And because of that, it's gotten better through the years. But it doesn't mean the impulse to do it is never there. I just have learned how to work with that impulse and how to improve and interact with that desire to do those things so that I do them less. The 10th mistake you want to avoid is interrupting your partner, over-talking your partner, taking over the conversation. That's a form of control, and it's a lack of impulse control. And it's hard when you're listening to your partner describe their feelings, describe what they felt. It's very hard not to interrupt them and correct them and tell them what the truth was because we think our version of what went down is the actual real thing. But you can't do that because that expresses disrespect. And guess what? Your partner thinks their version is correct. They think how they experienced the conflict is what really went down. You're never gonna talk your partner out of their experience. So interrupting is a bad habit. It's a mistake couples do during conflict. So instead of interrupting, wait until your partner is finished and then respond. And if you follow the reunite tool, you'll notice interrupting is not allowed. When your partner is expressing their complaint, you have a list of listener steps you have to go through in response. So it takes out the option of interrupting. But if you interrupt, if you over talk, if you take over the conversation, it's very disrespectful, it's very controlling, and it's not gonna make your partner wanna listen to your side because now they feel undermined by you. So those are 10 mistakes you wanna avoid in conflicts. Number one, raising your voice. 
Number two, not stopping when flooded. Number three, name calling. Number four, generalizations. Number five, putting your partner down. Number six, being contemptuous. Number seven, getting defensive and not taking any ownership. Number eight, throwing or breaking things. Number nine, stonewalling. And number 10, interrupting your partner. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Wyatt Show podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to share this with one other person today. That's the best way to pay it forward. For more resources, check out the links in the show notes. And remember, your relationship is alive. So if you care for it and nurture it, it can grow. But if you deprive it and neglect it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up to you.